but we're much better than what we showed against them, and this is what we're going to show them tonight. No doubt in my Listening to the 90 Plus Podcast. Here's your hosts, Ben Rigetti and Sebastian Pereira. All right, welcome to episode 41 of the 90 Plus Podcast. I'm Ben Rigetti, and today I am not joined by my wonderful co-host Sebastian Pereira. He will be out for the next several episodes. Uh, so instead, we've got an awesome list of fellow Whitecaps journalists. And who better to kick off that trail than Michael McCall from AFTN Canada. Michael, welcome to the show. This is 90 Plus Podcast, part of the BGN Network, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. How are you doing tonight? Very good. Delighted to be on the, the show, Ben. I think you've kind of taken the average age of the host up considerably by having me on, but it's, it's good to be here. Yeah, no, awesome. We're, we've been meaning to have you on for a while and it's unfortunate Seb's not here, but I'll tell you what, if there's anyone I want to replace Seb for the next hour or so, I'm glad it's you. <laughs> ah, I'm sure you're going to say that with everyone that you've got on in the next few weeks as well, but that's fine. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping you don't listen to those ones. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we've got a, quite a bit of a show for our listeners tonight. A fair bit's gone on since the last time I've actually just sat down and talked Whitecaps. We've had our a few special guests come on over the last little while, Kenny Miller and Jay Demerit on episodes 39 and 40, respectively. So if you haven't listened to them, be sure to go check them out. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Podbean, Anchor, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can get your podcast, 90 plus will be there. So um, I think let's just dive right on in. I think the biggest news of the last week or so, really, uh, two new signings. I mean, it was slow and steady, but they're like London buses. You don't get any for a while, then you get a couple come on along all at once. So Bruno Gaspar, we finally got that one over the line and all the, the right-back from Sporting Lisbon is now a white cap on a one-year loan with an option to buy at the end of it. And then the news that just came out today, yeah, today, yesterday, yeah. Um, Kyle Alexander uh, joining the club as well, this uh, holding midfielder, nice-looking number eight, coming all the way from Brazil to join the white caps and bolster our midfield. So... A few additions after a pretty slow-looking off-season. I think a lot of people were not concerned, but it was definitely something to take note that the Whitecaps had been a little uh, lethargic on the transfer front. But we've got two in the span of a week, and I think a lot of fans are happy about it, Michael. Yeah, slow and steady wins the race, I guess it is. As long as you've got all your pieces ready to go at the start of the season, ultimately that, that that's the key thing getting some of those pieces up to speed in time for the start of the season is going to be the tricky thing. I'm sure we'll we'll touch on that a little bit later as well. But they look two great sign-ins. Their upgrades from what their highlights and stats would kind of indicate. So, I mean, in Bruno Gaspar, it's definitely a, an upgrade at the, the right-back position. He's He's been capped internationally. He's been playing in Portugal. He looks to be very complementary to what we're going to see in the left-hand side of the pitch. Ali Adnan on the left, him on the right, even if Ali pushes up a bit and you have Guti a little bit uh, as the left back, they're strong fullbacks. And I think that gives the Whitecaps two of the best fullback pairings in MLS right now. Yeah, no, I do agree. It's, you know, Ali Adnan obviously was the Whitecaps through of the year last year. 
And I think that the stats been thrown out there a few times, basically, since uh, Gasper has joined the club, that 50-ish percent of last season's attacks came down the left side. And, you know, it's pretty easy to defend if, you know, at least half of the attacks are coming down one wing. And, you know, Ali Adnan likes to push forward. Uh, we have, you know, just a few. David Milinkovic spent time left mid. Same with Russell Tiber. It just kind of, it just seems to sort of click down that side and, like we we love Jake Nowinski on this podcast. We're big supporters of him. We think he brings a lot to the table. But offensively pushing forward, I think there was definitely that was probably the area that MDS wanted to improve upon. And it definitely looks like they got their man. So being able to balance out their attacks a little bit more, having, you know, some down the left, and you know, again now, you know, players coming through the middle as well. Uh, and now over on the right side with Gaspar and that Dahome link up, surely that's gonna be a nice one to see. Again, once he gets up to speed, into training, and the season gets underway. Yeah, it's great having wingers. It's great having attacking fullbacks. But you need somebody that's going to distribute the ball to them. And still looking for this number 10. He's going to be coming in. But Kyle Alexander seems a, a good addition. Whether he's $4 million quality addition, which is the figure that's been banded about, I don't know. But he was rated in one of the, the top 10 under 23, under 22 players in Brazil. His highlights video, doing what a highlights video is meant to do, it makes you excited about him. Because his distribution, just his calmness on the ball, it all looks good. It raises interesting questions as to how you fit maybe all the pieces that you currently have at the, at the club into the team. At the same time, though, it's a season where I think you're going to have to call on so many of these pieces because of international games. Games are going to be coming thick and fast. There could still be COVID postponements for all you know. So I think this is a year that the squad is really going to be tested to its max. But we've got some interesting pieces in there. The midfield battle in particular is going to be an interesting one. Yeah, we sort of picked up on this about halfway through last year that Russell Tiber as you know, a great a captain and great you know servant to the club as he's been his days do seem limited with you know a woo you know he it wasn't great a left mid it was it was a, a sugar packet fix at left mid like he did the job he he got you know through the rest of the season when david milinkovic was out injured and everything but we knew that it wasn't going to be the long-term solution uh, he doesn't bring the same defensive work weight that Janio Bakel and leo wusu brings He's he's a good passer of the ball, but we've seen what Michael Baldissimo can do. Uh, you know, he doesn't have the attacking abilities to play in a sort of attacking number 10 sort of role. So Russell Tiber, again, uh, great player, you know, uh, all the fans, you know, we, we've appreciated what he's been able to do for the club over the past 10 years now. But um, yeah, his time do, does seem numbered. Leo Wusu as well. I'd have to say that, you know, if push comes to shove and you can only pick Bikel or Wusu, I think MDS would tip his cap towards Bikel. And then, you know, Baldy, all the fans fell in love with him and, you know, the passing he's been able to do. He got called up to the Canadian U23 Olympic qualifying squad. That international experience is going to do wonders for him. So, yeah, just you get some of these names. like And even, you know, Patrick Metcalf, he showed promise during the uh, Canadian series, especially when they went out east. So um, it's just some of these names that you just kind of wonder where they're going to kind of file in once, you know, we get into the season. And like you said, you know, players are going to be going away. And Mark DeSantos said there's going to be a time, even in March alone, where they're going to be without 15 players. Yeah. Whether, you know, visas, internationals, whatever else you want to call it. It's, uh, 
you know, the squad's going to be thin. So it's good in that sense. But at the same time, you know, if Patrick Metcalf is getting good minutes in training, is that going to correlate to him starting over a $4 million midfielder? Probably not. That, that's, that's the thing. And keeping everyone happy is obviously one of the, the toughest jobs that any manager has. It's good from a, a supporter's aspect because you've got these guys that all look good. It's exciting signings. I'm I'm with you. If it was a choice between Owusu and Bikel, I go with Bikel. Owusu mm-hmm. disappointed me a little bit last season. He wasn't what I was hoping for. It was kind of, I guess, what I was expecting, though, from watching highlights packages and, and what he brought to the team. So, I mean, if you're looking at Alexander being the guy that, that's going to be the starter, and if you've paid that money, why would he not be the starter? Although, interestingly, I think it was kind of Axel, when he was talking today, kind of said, he talked about a bench role maybe at first for him and said, we've not brought him here to be in the bench. Obviously, yeah. you've not. But a few of these guys are going to take a little bit of time finding their feet. Saicedo, I mean, you saw last year with the homie, it took a while for him to find his feet. A lot of that was family issues, though, because he was separated yeah. from families. But these guys are going to be going into a new environment. And don't forget Utah altitude, what that brings as well. A lot of players might struggle to adapt to that. But that's one of the many interesting battles I think we, we've got ahead this season to, to look forward to covering. Yeah, and you kind of touched on it there. Uh, we haven't recorded a 90-plus episode since the announcement was made, but we all sort of kind of knew it, but we just were waiting for the official announcement. It will be Sandy, Utah, where the Whitecaps are starting off 2021. Uh, MDS is saying that, you know, he's prepared to spend a whole season there. You know, obviously, they'd rather be back at BC Place, but, you know, if the, the way the season unfolds and it does see them staying up in... Uh, Utah for the whole season then you know obviously you know we, we, we'd love to have fans and it does seem like the Whitecaps aren't are would most likely prefer to come home with fans it would seem like they'd be happier to wait at, than rather than play a few games at an empty BC place uh, DeSantos has said a few times about you know the the environment that BC place can be with the full fans and everything and you know we've we've all been in the stadium with fans as well you know it's a it's a good experience it's a great time and uh, the fans do bring in a, a lot. However, there's not going to be any Whitecaps fans in that stadium in Utah. No. Although, interestingly, I, I spoke to Axel a couple of weeks ago and we we did a piece on the site mm-hmm. covering some, some of what he said about the move to Utah. And the reaction that that got from fans in Utah was very positive. They were excited there was going to be a second MLS team down there. And if they did decide, well, maybe we will let some fans in, I think some fans would actually just go along to watch it because folk are just desperate to get out and, and do yeah. some stuff <laughs> just now. But it, it was it was very well welcomed by, by the fans down in Utah. I've been down to that stadium. It's a lovely stadium. Sandy itself's on the outskirts of Salt Lake City and there's nothing round about there. It's, yeah. it's kind of like in the middle of nowhere. You've got the altitude coming into play. Will that give the, the Whitecaps an advantage? It kind of has given Salt Lake and, and Colorado advantages over the years. I've spoken to a couple of Scottish guys that's played for both those teams, and they both said to me when they first got there, it was a struggle to just catch your breath and, and get everything done. 
but by the end of a few weeks, few months, they were the fittest they had ever been. Okay. So that could go well for the for the Whitecaps for the season. Maybe gives them a bit of a, an advantage for home games as well. We'll have to kind of see about that. As for coming back here, I mean, BC Place, when it's empty and the roof is closed, it's a weird atmosphere. Yeah. If you turn up for training there, it just, everything echoes and it's just so strange. I'll be amazed if we get fans in at BC Place this year. I, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. But I, I just can't see them lifting those restrictions it's a big stadium. That's the big thing, I guess, they've, they've got going in their favour. If they wanted to just even let 5,000 in, you could space yeah. them out pretty well. And even with the upper bowl as well. Like, yeah. it's a 55,000-seat arena. Like, you've got more than enough space to get a few thousand in. It's whether they feel it's worthwhile cost-wise because you've got extra security if you're opening up the whole stadium, cleaning costs, everything like that. I'm resigned to the fact that we're not going to get into any games at BC Place. I do think they will end up playing some games there, but maybe behind closed doors. I can see the border restrictions getting lifted later in the year. US is way ahead of us here in terms of vaccine rollout. If we kind of catch up here, I, I don't see an issue with them opening the border to let teams coming in. And just when the schedule comes out, I guess that will be the key indicator as to whether the league think that is going to be the case. Because I think the Whitecaps and all the Canadian teams would like to have the schedule stacked so that they've got the chance to play games in Canada at the end of the year. So if that's how it looks when it comes out, say we maybe finish with 7 out of 10 home games, something like that, then I think that might be what they're looking at. But if it's still home away, home away, then I, I don't see it happening. Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, the two games that we do know are going to be taking place are Portland at home in Utah, and then the Whitecaps will be away to Toronto. Is Toronto in Orlando, or is that? Yeah, Tampa? they're they're going to split their time uh, between Orlando and I think it's Tampa. Yeah, but uh, that that game's going to be in Orlando. Okay, yeah. Okay. There's going to be some clashes where they can't get into Orlando. It might even be Fort Lauderdale they're looking at. It's, what, what, it's, it's another city outside it for anyway, but th that game's definitely in Orlando. And mm. I couldn't have asked for two, two yeah. tougher games to start the season, two rivalry games, two derby matches, two teams that are going to be up to speed because they're both going to be in Champions League action as well. Yeah, and you know, that's got to play a factor of the Whitecaps not playing any... It looks like they're not going to get a preseason game. There's been... Uh, they've said that they're going to try to get a few interest squad games in, like proper full 90 minutes and everything. But, you know, there's only so much that's going to do to you when you're going up against competition that whose preseason's gone. At least, you know, Portland, they're at home. Uh, they're not living out of a hotel. Things are relatively normal for them. They're playing Champions League football. And their seasons, you know, started before the Whitecaps are even, you know, waking up in the morning. You know, it's it just uh, it's 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 a tall ask for a team that realistically hasn't played a competitive, well, you know, wouldn't have played a competitive game since October, Novemberish sort of time. So that's that's going to be two tough sets of ninety minutes to open up the year. Yeah, you've also got the fact that there's guys away with the under-23 team. There's going to be guys away with Canada. There could be, Ali Adnan could go away still with Iraq. So, I mean, there's all these guys missing. There's guys that haven't arrived yet. There's guys that's in quarantine. So, I mean, Mark DeSantis is maybe going to get, if he's lucky, two full weeks with a full squad. 
Yeah. Even that might be a, a bit of a push. He did say this week that there's now the possibility that they could play some some preseason friendlies against maybe some USL teams down in the states. Mm-hmm. Depending what Salt Lake are up to, you you have to think there's a good chance you could maybe get some games there, even Real Monarchs, something like that. But they they have to try and get something because if they if they haven't kicked a ball in anger come the 18th of April and they're going in to, to face a Portland team that has just played two tough games in the Champions League, it's a it's a tall order for them to get anything out of that. I think fans just need to be patient in that first month of games mm-hmm. just to, to let the team find their feet a little bit. And we'll play the clip in just a second here. Mark DeSanto said earlier in the week that, you know, March is going to be very difficult. Like he knows that, you know, play is going to be going away. Like you said, for Canada, people are, you know, players are going to be in quarantine. The players that, you know, do arrive, they're going to have to be brought up to speed. They're not expecting to jump straight into the starting 11 straight away necessarily. So it's, it's been a choppy preseason and we're only two weeks in and it's going to be hard for them to find any sort of momentum and rhythm heading into it. So we're on the clip here. Uh, here's Mark DeSantos just sort of talking about uh, how this preseason is kind of going to be difficult to gain some momentum heading into the start of the year. It gives you hope and it gives you light and it gives you a direction. But when it comes to rhythm, we're going to struggle in the month of March. It's just the reality for us. Uh, There's going to be a period in the month of March that we're going to be without 15 players for visa visa issues or visa timing, uh, quarantine, readaptation, Olympic team, national team. We already saw there's going to be a part in the calendar that we're going to have 15 guys that we're only going to be able to work with them once we're in Salt Lake. So that presents a lot of, a lot of challenges to build and to train um, in the way that we want in a normal preseason. The positive side is that I'm going to be able to look at at least 15, 16 of your U23 and U19 players. Um, So there's both, on my side, there's a side that is frustrated of this reality that I would love to be in a preseason with all our guys, but there's also a positive side that I'm able to know much better some of our guys in the academy. And some, an example is some of them have been a pleasant surprise to watch that I didn't know as well. Uh, but you get to know them better when you're working with them. So there is positives in, in everything. But as a coach, every coach is going to tell you that they would love to work with their full uh, team during preseason. And that's not a reality for us today. That was Mark DeSantos bringing in our, a little question from earlier in this week on a Zoom call we had. Uh, following a training session it's he's been on the mic a fair bit Mark DeSantos him and Axel Schuster have had quite a fair bit to say uh, over the last week or so really since preseason has started Uh, we had the Schuster roundtable today and I unfortunately missed the first half of that Uh, anything big of note sort of thing what did you get out of the the Schuster roundtable today it wasn't 
anything major. It, it was just a lot of it was just like the logistical side of it. The search for the number ten is is still ongoing. They, that's they, the same jam. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not putting all their eggs in the one basket. So I mean, I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, and he said that basically Atavio, it, it seemed to be the guy that he was talking about. That's still a possibility. Mm-hmm. But the club would need to wait for to the summer for that to happen. So, I mean, he he did talk about no no big rush in a way. If you can get the right guy, it's worth waiting. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, I was on a, a call with Portland Timbers during the week, and Gio Savarese was us, Michael. <laughs> oh, I, I I get around. <laughs> Gio Savarese was talking about like adding to his squad, and he said. They're taking a calculated risk that if they need to wait for the pieces they want, that it's going to be worth the wait and they'll still realistically be in a chance to to do well in, in the season. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's MLS in a nutshell. We've seen it with teams like Seattle in the past. You can get off to a bad start and you just need to string a run, run of games together. You string four or five wins together or an unbeaten run of six or seven games, you can go from the bottom to mid-table top top third of the table in no time I I know everyone wants a number 10 we're clamoring for a number 10 I think the pieces that are there in the team just now gives us a a capable start in 11 that can can hold its own the schedule is going to be the interesting thing because if the if the opening weeks of the schedule after Portland and TFC are the likes of say Seattle LAFC Kansas City then you're like like it will be (laughs) yeah then it's a bit more panicky because it's like, well, you don't want to maybe lose your first four or five games and then have to turn that around because immediately the pressure's on Mark DeSantis. It's like, we spent all this money and they can't win any games. And you know what the fan base here is like, just general fan bases. But I I, I think it's an urgency to fill that number 10. Mm -hmm. And Axel agrees and he's, he's talked about that a few times. I'd be prepared to wait till... June, July, if it means we get the right guy. And by the right guy, I mean someone that's going to hang around and yeah. be the difference maker. I don't want a guy that just comes in for one season, he's gone again, and the search goes on again. You need a guy that's going to be here for two, three seasons that's really going to make an impact in the team. And if we have to wait for that guy, let's just wait for him. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the squad, it's more than serviceable right now with the pieces that they've got. I mean, you've got some of the up-and-coming you know, Theo Bears looked great this preseason. Yeah. All what Michael Baldissimo can do. And that's just, you know, the young guys. You've got Lucas Cavallini, who, you know, he picked up form towards the end of the year. And, you know, Freddie Montero's service, I'm sure, definitely helped that. But at the same time, you know, if Mark DeSantos is uh, tiddling around and found this, you know, a system that seems to work for Cavallini, I, I would love to see him and Theo Bear consistently in a front two. I would, I think that could be work wonders for Cavallini. Uh, Dahomey picked up form towards the second half of the season. Daibar Casado, you know, he seems a promising youngster and the same it might be the same thing, you know, give him a few weeks, get it on up and running with the squad and, you know, use the elevation and altitude and everything. Then all of a sudden he could be, you know, a key piece to the Whitecaps future. So it's, uh, you know, a defense as well with, Gaspar and Ali Adnan, like you said, it's a great, great uh, back, uh, wing-back pairing for the MLS. Eric Godoy, we haven't seen him really healthy all of last season. There was always that little bit of a nagging injury. Uh, Ranko Veselinovic, full-time white cap now. He's not on loan anymore. So there's all these pieces that 
it's not like a oh it'll get by you know we i don't want to say that we can compete but you know it's we're, we're going to be in game we're going to be in more games than we were last year we're not going to be losing six nil to lafc with this squad you know we're not going to be three nil to seattle without having a touch of the ball for 20 minutes kind of games that's it just doesn't seem that sort of mentality and other players are saying the same thing max grapo and ryan raposo who i've spoke to over the last couple of weeks they're both kind of giving off the the message that it's almost playoffs or bust this year like they believe that they can make the playoffs and i i it's gonna be i'm not you know saying they're gonna be pushing for number one but you know, they were three points away last year. Uh, I mean, you said Seattle, you know, they put a run together and, you know, well, a deep playoff run. Same with uh, San Jose. You know, they were near last place about halfway through yeah. the season. And then they strung some few wins together. They made a couple of changes with their uh, their formation and their goalkeeper. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're in the playoffs and they've, le- over, you know, they've leapfrogged us. So it really just seems that, like, we're going to be competitive in games this year more so than last year and it's a service it's more than serviceable it's not just like a 11 names and a piece of paper to go out and run around for 90 minutes these guys it's a squad that can compete i I think he also like mds likes 4-4-2 now that seems to be the the route he wants to go but until we get the 10 in there is also the possibility of going 3-5-2 because you've got a strong centre-back trio that you, that you could throw in there, Derek Cornelius, even mm-hmm. Andy Rose going back there and doing what he did. Uh, Javane Brown also, he has experience in a back three. Yeah. He, he spent some time in that as well. Obviously, you know, he's a youngster that with the arrival of Bruno Gaspar, his name probably got pushed a little further down the pecking order, but he's a prom again, another young promising player we got out of the draft that a lot of people are saying could be a sleeper pick for a very good first round pickup. He, he looks great from, from what you can see o- online about him. Yeah. Axel talked a little bit about uh, Brown today, and I asked him as well just about the international sports because adding Gasper and Alexander, that's now the international sports full. Yeah. So if you're looking to add a number 10, somebody has to get moved on or you're going to make a trade to, to get another spot, give up some TAM, some GAM, whatever you want to give up. Brown would seem the natural person that would maybe get loaned out. But mm-hmm. Axel didn't seem to indicate that. He he kind of mentioned that if it was if the feeling was he wasn't going to get much playing time, then they might look at that. Yeah. But not right away to, to loan him out. So you're thinking, well, they're going to have to trade for this international spot then. Or do they, do they not bring anyone in until this summer and then they just sit tight, see what they've got, and then... You could even move Kamiri on, who might be kind of the guy that's at the loose end. Yeah. He, he's been a guy I expected so much off <laughs> just from watching him at training. He tackles the way I love people to <laughs> tackle, but I'm coming at that from an old-fashioned viewpoint in that you can't tackle that way in the modern game. Mm-hmm. He just launches himself in at training, and I love that commitment. And I thought, oh, he's going to be fantastic in MLS. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't reach those levels i know he's been played by injury yeah but you have to feel ahead of him in the pecking order godoy ranko cornelius rose yeah i'd probably put rose ahead of him as well to be honest and then you could maybe you could move him on and free up a spot so that that's one thing to watch what the white caps do in that regard and trying to to free up stuff to allow people to, to to bring in a number 10 or whatever 
you might also like talked about Jake Nowinski there. I'm a big fan of Jake's as well. I yeah. he's just signed a new deal. I don't see them moving him on. This has nothing to do with international sports, but just more freeing up roster spots because the roster spots are full as well now. Yeah. So either young guys have to go out on loan or you move somebody on. And if they have faith in Brown to be a maybe backup right back, I think Jake Nowinski's got some good trade value within MLS. He's oh. just signed a new deal. So he could be a guy that you look to move on and get something back for. Yeah, no, and... I don't want to say I, I wouldn't be surprised at that, but at the same time, you know, there's because they easily could have done the one year loan, no option to buy. And they kind of said, you know, Bruno Gaspar, come in, see what you can do. If it's not a fit, we're happy to rely back on Nowinski with uh, a year of experience, MLS experience under the belt for Javane Brown. But, you know, they brought him in with the option to buy and typically with options to buy <laughs> most of, I don't say most of the time but you know it's it's more often than, than not that they are signed on to full-time deals then all of a sudden you've got three right backs two with you know MLS experience at least one year for Gaspar and Nowinski this is this is this is fifth year right I think Nowinski possibly it all blurs into one now yeah <laughs> I think I think it's about four, yeah. Yeah, four or five years you know more than enough like We've sort of seen as I, there's, I, I kind of got into a bit of a Twitter argument at Rigetti Ben. Go give me a follow. Um, I, kinda, I did get into sort of a bit of a, a back and forth with some people and I, they kind of raised some very good points and I was sort of not taken back, but I kind of had to re, reevaluate sort of my thoughts on Jake Nowinski and some of them that, you know, he's, he is 26 now. He's turning 27 this year. How much more is he going to grow and develop? You know, like, yeah. is how, you know, how much more time can, I, can we still expect him to be growing at age 29 when the, his deal is up? Like it's, it's tough to, you know, it's more often than not, you know, you're 26, 27 with a few years of league experience. You've kind of shown what you can show. And while I like what he's shown, what Bruno Gaspar we're hoping will show and the player that we're hoping Javane Brown can develop into someone like Jake Nowinski. Absolutely. He's got trade value. He's been around the league. He's American. He's got national team experience. Players know him. Managers know him. He's, he's definitely someone that it's not completely out of the picture to think that he could be shipped in the next year or so. Yeah. And I, I, Jake's been very honest. Like when he's spoken to, to media in the last couple of years, he knows his attacking game is kind of what lets him down, that he needs to be more attack-minded. The other argument of that is you want a defender primarily to defend, which yeah. is my big thing with Ali Adna. And it's like, love to see the guy tear up the left wing, but please remember you are a left-back and at some point you need to be in that left-back position or at least track back with a little bit of urgency. Jake's the opposite in that he maybe sits too deep and he doesn't get forward enough and doesn't send those balls in. If we go back to the days of YP Lee, Stephen yeah. Betashure, those are the right backs you want. And I think that's what we're getting in Gaspar now. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said YP Lee because I got strong YP Lee sort of vibes from, you know, again, it's the videos that we've seen are most likely the videos that you've seen. It's like the few that are out there on YouTube and whatever, but from what I have seen of Bruno Gaspar, it does seem of that sort of like confident on the ball, willing to make a good pass. He can still tackle, he can still defend, but he's smart about when he goes forward. 
and his man marking is a little bit better than Jack Nowinski. Sometimes you've seen him creeping inside, leaving players open outside. Uh, you know, it's I, I do. I'm glad you said Wiper Lee because that was a name that sort of. And again, he was a you know a good servant for the Whitecaps, and I I had him over Stephen Bateshire on the All Decade team. Seb mm. disagreed, but that's why Seb isn't here for the next few weeks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, can't, I genuinely can't remember who I picked when we did ours, and it's a it's a ta- it's close. They're very close. Yeah, because I, I know on, on our show, like Zach Stephen, we disagreed over that position, and I can't I genuinely can't remember now who I went for. I think I might actually have gone with Beta Sure, but I'm not sure. Well, we are looking for new people to come on and be our guests <laughs> in 90 plus. <laughs> no, all you know, all the love to Stephen Beta Sure. He was he was the lone I remember I, for some reason this stat just sticks in my head. He was the only white caps player to appear at the twenty fourteen World Cup with uh with Iran. Yeah. I don't know what, yeah, I would, for some reason I would just when I think of Beta Sure, I just remember that stat coming off of from TSN somewhere. Yeah, because he yeah. went to 2014, Kendall went to 2018, so yeah. will we see Ali at 2022? Will Iraq get get <laughs> in there? Well, maybe... I'm writing Canada off here, yeah, I shouldn't probably fair. do that. <laughs> well, you know what? That's, I think that's a good segue, because over the last week, a few young Canadians have been called up to the U23 Olympic qualifiers. Not quite the World Cup, but it is the Olympic qualifiers. Uh, Theo Bear, who we've said we are big supporters of on this podcast, uh, Michael Baldissimo, Derek Cornelius, Patrick Metcalf, former guest on the show, and Ryan Raposo all getting called up uh, to a few qualifiers later this month. It, it's it's awesome to see, like especially like young Canadians at a Canadian club excelling, getting more minutes. I mean, we've seen. I keep coming back to Theo Bear, but you know he's said that he's put in work on his body to be more physical and he's look you know he's looking bulkier rather than like sort of the lanky sort of teenager he was last year or so so and you know baldy he had exploded onto the scene in those home games uh last year Derek cornelius always reliable patrick metcalf another player that kind of shown uh showed up a pretty good uh a pretty good show a few oh my gosh excuse me a few pretty good showings when they were out on the east coast last year and Ryan Raposo, another exciting player that can always light up a game whenever he chooses to. Um, I'm very happy to see these guys excel. <laughs> very, very much so. And I, I know it hits the, the Whitecaps preseason plans, but at the same time, you're getting guys back that's hopefully going to have games under their belt, and that might help them get to a better level than some of the guys that's just going to be playing just scrimmages at training. So in, yeah. in some ways, it might actually benefit the Whitecaps. Yeah, no, I'm sure. And, you know, at the same time, even if it wasn't the whole preseason that's going to be their first competitive games in X amount of months, you know, the the international, you know, the, the uh, experience you get from going to these competitions and competing against other players that are the same age as you trying to get to the same uh, end goal in the Olympics, it's, it's, it, it's good just to sort of see what's out there, who's doing things different. Because I'm not sure... Who Canada's playing in the qualifiers? Do you know? They, yeah, they've got Haiti, El Salvador, and I want to say Honduras. I was but... thinking, yeah, I feel like it is Honduras as well. I think you're right there. But yeah, it's just kind of good to see the difference from like typical, like, oh, because I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but I would say typically the majority of the MLS is either Canadian or American. 
so it is kind of good to see like you're going out and just seeing oh like little things that maybe they do differently and I, again i'm not the biggest follower of uh, like honduran football or el salvadoran football or whatever but um it, it's could you know just kind of you pick up these little things and you know we've spoken to players that have retired from international football saying that you know they've learned things that you know they just it, it just doesn't really come up at a club the way to bond and kind of gel with new teammates that you've kind of thrown together quickly and you're going out there playing in these high important games and then you're coming back and getting readjusted to club life it's it's good experience for these young players absolutely and i I think of the five guys that's going and it could easily have been more because thomas asal spoke this week about he wasn't in the squad because chats with the club himself and the national team he's coming back from injuries not fully up to speed yet it was thought best to leave him out of of this time around if they get to the olympics he plans to to be in the olympic mix i thought he might have been called into the senior team but it looks like he's just sitting this out Mm -hmm. but of the five that's going i think realistically you're looking at three starters i would say for sure Mm -hmm. i think bear's a starter boldissimo is a starter Cornelius as a starter yeah would not be surprised to see Metcalf starting as well but maybe not Raposo I think is a guy that that would come off the bench but it's it's not the strongest under 23 team that Canada could have taken Mm -hmm. a lot of that is because clubs don't have to release players because it's a youth tournament and there's no TFC players in the squad the, the rumours had been they weren't going to release anyone anyway, but then they got hit with COVID, so now they're saying, well, it's because of COVID that nobody was there. But Chris Armas had come out and said they probably weren't going to be releasing anyone anyway. And that's disappointing for a Canadian club not to do that. The, the example that Mauro Biello used in his press conference when he was talking about it was Harry Payton, Ross County in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Ross County's fighting relegation just now. They didn't want to release him. They've got some crucial games coming up. That's fair. Why do they care about Canada and the Olympics? TFC, though, they should be caring about Canada and the Olympics. We, I spoke to Mark and I asked him pretty much a, a similar question, just sort of saying, like, you know, because, I mean, that's five from the white. And even though, if, even if it wasn't, even if TFC were sending players, I still feel like the, at, at least four of these players would still be going to the squad. Um, so I do think that uh, I, I did ask the Santos, and I'll play the clip in a second here about the uh, the importance of why why you know the Whitecaps have put a big emphasis on developing these young players and not necessarily primarily Canadians, but it helps that they're Canadians and that you know obviously Vancouver Canadian club and they want to see the national team succeed as well. So yeah, here's uh, Mark DeSantos talking on all of that. Look. Uh... You know, I, it's not something that I, when I, when I came to the club, it was very clear with the ownership group of what we wanted to bring about, uh, to be about. And the ownership group has a lot of passion towards our Canadian program. I know there was moments that people were upset with owners and, and the spending story and do this and that, but the reality that nobody could could lie about is that we have an ownership group that every time I speak with, they are concerned in the right way to help Canada. They have a passion towards that. So it was very clear that part of my job would be to invest 
and to, to help develop young Canadian players. And I think a lot of, during the last two years, a lot of flashes of that. There was a game in 2019, I think we started nine of 11 players, nine were Canadians and we invested in young players and we're investing in Canada and we're trying the best to help the, the program as best as we can. So I'm, I'm happy that when you see so many players getting called, um, you guys see that it's not BS what we want to do and it's real what we want to do. So it's, it's, it's positive, but I'll tell you when working uh, right now with some of the young players we have, um, it shows me that we're going to have more guys coming forward in the next couple of years. Not now, so don't start the, I'm not saying you do that, Ben, but I just hope that we don't start, oh, we have the new Franco Baresi coming out and all that. No, but we do have, we do have players that I believe in the next couple of years are going to be names that you guys are going to start hearing about and probably be excited about. That's what I'm seeing in these days of training. That was Mark DeSantos just giving a little chat about how the, uh, the importance of kind of developing these young players. And uh, as we were just sort of saying before that clip there, it's, you know, it, it, it's always good to develop these young players. And that's a big reason why they brought in uh, Rico Clark, uh, the assistant coach from uh, who they announced yesterday, who, which would have been two days ago by the time this episode comes out. Uh, he's actually coming on the show in just a few minutes here. We, uh, once we get from, not that I'm trying to, rush you off the microphone michael but uh, once we're once we're done chatting with everything white caps i do have a quick 10 minute sit down with rico clark so be sure to stay tuned for that but um yeah no the development of young players it's been a big thing and i think a big issue i had with the club in 2020 was that they didn't have an identity and we've said this a few times on uh, 90 plus that they they're not a club that is known for anything they're known for making Alfonso Davies and shipping him off. And that's realistically it over the last few years. So it's, and you know, it's, it's tough. Like, you know, last season, you know, it was, it's difficult for every club in 2020 and then 2019, it's your first year under a new coach. It's hard to establish an identity that quickly, but year three, it's sort of getting time. And it, it seems like the kind of the way that they have gone is they want to develop these young players. They want to build them up and give them minutes and send them off to national teams and kind of grow the Whitecaps brand almost a bit more. It's interesting that you say that because that has always meant to have been the, yeah. the MO from, from the start for the club is to bring on this young talent. But in the early years of the white caps in, in MLS and it, it's weird to think we're coming up for the like a, a week today that we're recording this is the 10th year anniversary of, of the very yeah. first MLS match but you, you look at those early years and that first season under Martin Rennie under Carl Robinson very few young guys got their opportunity Mm -hmm. I, I've watched the Whitecaps residency teams for years. It's just something I've enjoyed watching the young guys come through. That likes the Theo Bear. I've watched him play since he was he was fourteen, yeah. and you see these guys come through, and it it sounds stupid, but you feel it's like almost like it's a family member because you've watched them yeah. for so long, and they're coming through, and you're you're like just pr proud as punch for them. Yeah, and we haven't had that. Fonzie is an anomaly. Yeah. 
you could have another ten years and there's nowhere any no one anywhere near the ability that he's got. Mm-hmm. But I think it did open doors then because it's it's put the eyes of other clubs on the white caps of oh who else have they got in their yeah. academy system? And the best way to showcase that is to play them. Now, Mark is a guy that wants to play young guys. Carol Robinson always said, oh, if they're good enough, it doesn't matter what age they are, I'll I'll play them. But he didn't. But the Mm -hmm. proof is more in the pudding with Mark. Now, you could argue someone like Baldy last year only got his opportunity out of circumstance. Yeah. Because players were missing and various things like that. But it's then up to the player to take it. And Baldy took it. And some of the other young players that we've had over the years haven't. But that needs to be the club's identity. They need to be a club. I know it's going to mean developing guys and they move on. But let's be honest. Anyone worth his salt is going to want to be playing at a higher level than MLS. They want to be in Europe. That's the dream for most guys playing around the world, probably. That they want to be playing for one of the big five leagues in Europe. Ideally, one of the top teams in Europe as well. Not everyone's going to do that. Mm-hmm. That needs to be the Whitecaps' identity to get the, the young guys coming through. Because you're right. What what are the Whitecaps known as? Yeah. Not spending money. It it was in the past. That's yeah, completely oh, gone out the window now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they've gone crazy in the, the last year or so. The money that was spent last year from Cava onwards, mm-hmm. it, it's like crazy amount of money getting spent. And... There was a question asked to Axel today um, by Joshua Cloak from The Athletic who said, you've spent money before, you've brought in talents before, but you've never basically achieved at the levels that you're hoping to achieve to. What What's going to be different this time? That's a very valid question because you can spend all this money and I've got big questions around some of the guys that they've brought in over the years and the money that's been wasted on some designated players like Blondell. Uh, RDS, absolute busts and they've gone on elsewhere and they've been busts so where was the scouting back then I know we've got new scouting departments now but the identity I think lies in bringing these young talents through and then building a strong core of international players around them I will say that one big thing that I've always kind of applauded Mark DeSantis for is that he gives players who he truly believes will bring the best for the team. He will give them minutes. If a player shows up in practice and he puts in the work, he will be in the starting 11. And we saw that, you know, most times after Whitecaps win last year, that they'd go into the next game with the pretty much the exact same starting 11 and, you know, same formation, same tactics, whatever. And, you know, I don't know if they ever strung more than two wins together last year, but at the same time, it's just that he, he would always give players that played well minutes and that's I, I do like that about a coach it's not like oh we've spent money on these guys so they're going to be getting more of the minutes no he that's not what he's about and I appreciate that the coach and these young players like Theo Bear like Pat, uh, Patrick Metcalf like Ryan Raposo they're really going to appreciate a coach that does that because I chatted with Ryan Raposo a few weeks ago and he's saying that that's his one thing that like he will, if he's put, but he ever is. And obviously, you know, it's the cliche and he will play 
Isaiah will say this, but I could sort of tell in like his voice that he really meant this, that when he's got cleats on, he will be 100% in everything he does. He said if he's going and filling up water bottles, he said he'll do it faster than anyone on the team. Like he really like, you know, he what he what you know, and you could just sort of see in some of these guys and it, it, it's good for them that, you know, Patrick Metcalf, where he said, you know, he's a few, fair few names down the pecking order. But, you know, last year, and despite, you know, it was, like you said, some circumstances of injuries and uh, everything else, he still got a fair few amount of starting minutes mm. as, as, a, as a, he's homegrown, right? He's, he's homegrown. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a great story because he came through the, the Whitecaps system. He signed a USL deal with WFC2, mm-hmm. and then they disbanded the team. So yeah. he didn't want to go down to Fresno, so he went to UBC and did well at UBC, but he always kept in touch with the Whitecaps and then they put together a kind of development team and then he was playing at UBC and the development team and then he took his opportunity and he impressed there. So then they signed him as back as a homegrown. So mm. he could have been a guy that went away and went to Europe and just disappeared off the face of the earth. But he was like, I, I've got what it takes to succeed mm. in this league. And it's worked out for him. And I'm, I'm delighted for him because he's, he's mm. a great kid. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's things like that where it's just like, that, like you said, he easily could have just sort of just kind of skipped off the Whitecaps radar and, you know, no one's ever heard from him again. He's playing in the Serbian third league or what, you know, what, what, I'm sure there is a Serbian third league and I'm sure there's still better quality players. Than I'm I sure am. there's tons of Canadians yeah. in that league as well <laughs> yeah, because true. they seem to be everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, no, it's so I will say that I do really appreciate that about DeSantos, that he will give players that train hard, that are dedicated to the team, regardless of their price tag, regardless of their story. If he feels like they're going to improve the team, he will give them minutes. And I do appreciate that. And, you know, these players that are going off to the U23 qualifiers, it's it's good for them that they're getting this experience. All of a sudden, they're maybe a little bit more informed than some of the senior players. And maybe we could see Patrick Metcalf move up above Tiber and maybe Awusu in terms of depth for the center mid spot or Ryan Raposo, you know, he could be the first one to switch off for Casado on that left wing. Like it's those things like that where, you know, it, things like that will impress Mark DeSantos. And that's why I'm really, I am really excited that these five U23 players are getting this opportunity to go and represent their country. Yeah. Fingers crossed. There's only two teams qualify from CONCACAF. They basically need to win their group and then hope that Mexico win their group because America have also got a a weakened roster. They've not had a lot of guys released. Mexico, I think, has got quite a strong roster. So Canada, US and the semi, whoever would win that would go on to the Olympics. I think that's the best, best road forward. But even if they don't make it through, as disappointing as it will be, that whole experience, as you say, will be so much for them and it will it'll live with them for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I do think that with that, that is going to wrap up our show. Uh, we did mention uh, uh, that the Whitecaps do have their new uh, assistant coach coming in, in uh, Ricardo Clark, 15-plus year veteran in the MLS uh he's yeah he's really been around the league he was a great guy to talk to you guys are gonna love the interview in just a minute here um so yeah so stay tuned for that he spent most of his time with the dynamo and that's where we did pick him up from he spent a few a uh, year or two with the houston academy as well as the u.s uh u20 national team men's i do believe 
Um, so yeah, so stay tuned. Uh, we'll talk to him in just a moment. But Michael, we do thank you for coming on. Uh, it was it is your first time on, so we do really appreciate it. It is a shame that Seb couldn't be here, but regardless, it's it's the way it is. And I had a lovely time chatting with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And anytime, happy to chat again. Perfect. Thank you. So to our listeners as well. Um, so this has been episode 41 of the 90 plus podcast sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL and US soccer. Get custom scarves for your, your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And are you tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Are you looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. That's I-C-A-R-U-S-F-C.com. As for myself, I'm Ben Rigetti or at Rigetti Ben on Twitter. From there, you can also find the podcast on Twitter at 90 plus podcast, both on Twitter and Instagram. And like I said earlier in the show, we are now available on Spotify as always, Apple Podcasts as always, as well as some new ones like Anchor and uh, Google Play Store and a few others. But really, whenever you, wherever you can find your podcasts, myself and now Michael will be there. So. Michael, thank you very much for uh, spending your Friday afternoon, well, evening, late evening with me. And um, yeah, we've appreciated it. And now on to my interview with Ricardo Clark. All right, we are now joined by the newest assistant coach for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, in quarantine, or just out of quarantine here in Vancouver, Ricardo Clark, 15-year MLS veteran, played over in Europe, spent some time coaching in the Houston Academy, and now he's going to take his talents with the Whitecaps. So, Rico, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right, thankfully. I'm good. Good. So, you're in Vancouver, you're quarantining, so uh, do you have an idea of sort of when you're expecting to first meet up with the team and kind of get everything going? Yeah, um, I'm not sure an exact date. I'm still um, obviously dealing with uh, whatever protocols are in place. So um, I have to go through that. And uh, at this moment, I'm just kind of working from afar. Um, you know, some video, some uh, watching with training sessions, things like that, keeping in touch with the coaches. So uh, once I get the green light, um, which will be a good day, then uh, I'll jump on board and and be there in person but until that day i'm just working from afar yeah we're excited to have you so um so what was appealing to you about the vancouver job what kind of made you say vancouver let's do it yeah so um when i originally started talking to uh mark axel uh greg and those guys um they kind of laid out what my role would be which is you know a lot of individual development and and uh, working with, uh, you know, individuals on the team, particularly younger players and, um, you know, catered towards that type of role was, was kind of what I was starting to do in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, in Houston, I had a, I had a coaching job where I was working with multiple age groups, um, towards the latter part of being there. I started, you know, I gravitated more towards the older age groups, the pre-professional phase, and some of those guys are actually signed homegrown contracts. And because I just enjoyed uh, keeping in touch with them and 
and you know just wanting to help them in every way I can uh, uh, I started coaching doing a lot of individual development whether it be video analysis or uh, field work or just conversations that were in some ways like mentorship right um, mm -hmm. that was just some something I had uh, gotten into and and the timing of of Vancouver reaching out and, and kind of wanting a similar role along with some other things um it just seemed like the right fit and uh to be honest Vancouver is has been a cool place to come to uh when I when I would play here mm -hmm. and there's just something you know uh, very intriguing and very cool about the organization and you know and what they're all about and uh I wanted to try something new and be a part of it and um yeah it, it all snowballed from there and here I am <laughs> Uh, so kind of going on that last uh, point you made there, uh, you've been here before as a player, you've been in and around the league for a long time now. How do you feel your MLS experience is going to help you in this role? Yeah, it, it never hurts when you've uh, been there and done that, right? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> uh, you know, I'm, I'm still relatively young as a coach, but I've, I've tried to do my due diligence on the coaching side and but when you multiply that with the fact that you've been in these players' shoes, um, I think that's only a benefit. And I think it's a huge benefit based on coaches I've been around when I've been playing and, and they've had those same experiences I have. Um, not that it guarantees that you're a great coach, but it never hurts. So um, I'm just hoping to, you know, bring all that knowledge as a player and, and knowing what, to, what these players are expecting and, take it to the coaching side and just kind of package it all in to, to be a resource. Um, and then obviously the news has came out in the last few days, uh, but there's sort of been rumors for a little while that the Whitecaps would be starting their year in Utah. Did that impact your decision at all to join the club or did it create any hurdles? Uh, what was uh, sort of getting around that agreement to you like? Yeah, no, it didn't. I mean, it didn't impact it at all. I mean, this, these past years months whatever have been challenging um so uh i'm just ready for whatever i mean i think i'm sure everybody's ready for whatever ready to adjust and um you know yeah like i said it's i think we're used to we're all used to the challenges at this point and it's just a matter of uh finding solutions and you know it, it didn't impact me in any way at all um so uh, i'm just rolling with the punches you know fair enough and uh, when, when were you first approached about this job? You said you and Mark and Axel and Greg, you've been talking for a little while, roughly when the sort of negotiations and your first kind of contact start? Yeah, it's, it's man, it's time's been flying, but uh, <laughs> oof, it, I, I'd say more or less a, a, a month ago, but they had reached out to the Dynamo. Okay. Um, uh, you know, obviously expressing that they had, had, in, had interest and, in, uh, then the talks with me started from there and, you know, just kind of snowballed and um, yeah. And they're, they're all positive, obviously. And, and yeah. here I am. Uh, a lot of uh, praise has gone into your ability to work one-on-one -on -one with young developing players and kind of help their growth. And you've said it already a couple of times in this interview. Uh, there's a lot of young, exciting, uh, especially a few Canadian players that are really uh, people have some high hopes for once they're kind of, uh, kind of trajectory kind of gets a little higher as well. Are there any sort of players you're particularly eager to work with? 
we're a big Theo Bear uh, podcast. We love him here on 90. Oh, so yeah. uh, if you say Theo, you'll be a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm still uh, learning players, right? Yeah. Uh, in depth, you know, I, obviously I was looking from afar from mm-hmm. Houston um, because, you know, I would, I would obviously watch MLS games and see names here and there, but it's, it's you know, I had my own role there and players to look after. So now it's just a matter of, putting all my energies into these players right um mm-hmm. and I know there's a, a lot of young talent here and, and there's been a lot of young talent in the future in the in the past and they're looking to develop them and you know with, with that uh you know there's there's Baldissimo there's um Diego Bear there's uh David Egbo I think I'm saying his name yep. right um uh, along with some other players that are are really showing some true talent, and mm-hmm. um, I think have been actually called up to the U23s, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so, five of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm slowly getting to each player, right, and and yeah. just analyzing their game, uh, developing training sessions, right, and and mm-hmm. and in some some sort of way, hopefully tracking all that, and um, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I gravitate a lot towards the midfielders, but you okay. know that doesn't. I don't discriminate. <laughs> obviously, being a midfielder myself, so yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a pleasure working with all of them. And uh, so you know, uh, well, you said you're a midfielder. As a player, you love to shoot from distance. Are you going to be bringing that same mentality mm-hmm. and the same approach to you as a coach? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, obviously, it depends on what the, the players' needs, right? It, yeah. It, if their development requires them to uh, improve in their shooting, then maybe I can help with that, right? And, mm. um, you know, there's still so much involved in the, sorry, in the whole workflow and how it's, how it's going to fit, right? Yeah. Especially in these challenging times. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I'm just going to do whatever I can to, to analyze and, and hopefully develop in, in some sort of capacity. And uh, just finally, uh... You know, you're you're new to the city. Uh, maybe a lot of uh, White Cat fans that don't really follow much outside the MLS might not know a whole lot about you. This is your kind of got a couple minutes here just to tell us about yourself, what you're excited about to uh, be here in Vancouver. Just kind of give us a little bit more about uh, Rico Clark. Yeah, well, first and foremost, uh, I'm a I'm a dad and a husband, so a wife and two kids. Um, my son is a baller, and you know he he loves playing soccer. My daughter is a free spirit. She is, you know, just doing her thing in life and uh, having fun. So um, it will be cool to see my son involved in the uh, the soccer environment here and, and experience that. And, um, you know, all in all, you know, there's the, there's the playing side and the competitive side and the willingness to win and, and be successful as an organization. But then obviously the, the life experiences, right, are, are something you'll never uh, never forget and can take away. And that's something that I'm looking forward to for me, but most importantly for my kids. So it's going to be really cool, a cool experience here, I hope. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Yeah. Knock on wood. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's going to wrap up our interview here on 90 plus. So Rico, thank you for coming on. I'm sure we'll talk to you uh, maybe a few months down the line, maybe hopefully once you guys are back from Utah, um, if not, though, you know, we wish you all the best of luck and, you know, easing into life here in Vancouver. I'm sure you'll love it and your kids will have a great time here, too. So, yeah, thanks for joining us.